Attention, culture consumers. Join me, the queen of queries, Sarah O'Connor, and my band of nerdy knights. Colleen McMillan. Flo Siegel. And Anders Drew. On Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms, especially that Star Wars galaxy far, far away. Listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hey, Field Hang 10, watch out for a new wave of episodes for Forgotten Cinema Season 9, Forgotten Summer. Ugh, really, Butler, a theme season? Let me guess, we're going to talk about films that were released in the coveted summer months that for some reason seem to be forgotten by audiences. You know it, bro. What we liked about them or maybe didn't, but we'll always recommend people check them out. Maybe they'll find their own Forgotten Summer gem. So check out Forgotten Summer wherever you get your podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hold on, gotta catch this wave. We're sitting at desk in a recording booth. Hello and welcome to the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Morgan. You can follow the show at NomCastPod on Twitter and Instagram, and you can visit us on the web at NomCastPod.com. All right, Netflix had their first ever Geek Week event last week, where they debuted a bunch of exclusive news updates and trailers on their sexiest fanboy and fangirl titles from the TV, anime, and gaming worlds, as well as, of course, our beloved film stuff. On this episode, we will get into mostly the film news and notes with a sprinkle of TV in there. We'll also get into a big entity from Netflix that was not really showcased at all during Geek Week and is struggling quite a bit at the moment. So we'll get into that. And then we will end with a couple of short movie reviews from some of the more geeky Netflix originals we've missed in the last couple months or two. And here with me, of course, to do all of that, my one-man geek squad, the host of Media Mosh and Frequent Flyer on the pod, Mr. Shane Beauregard. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, as always. It's always a pleasure being on your show, and I cannot wait to jump right into all this good stuff we have for us tonight. Yeah, real quick, because I, I mean, I, this is a common occurrence. Any, um, anytime I have most people on, uh, it's like, no, 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 you gave me the assignment, so I looked. But like, did you know about Geek Week before it kind of like came through, or did you hear about it midstream, or was I the first person to be like, hey, this thing happened? You were the first person that told me that this thing has happened. Yeah, which is wild to me. I mean, because you cover Netflix a lot on your show, and you know, this is they're putting out a lot of big news, a lot of trailers dropped, a lot of things that happened. They're talking to to all the big names, like, you know, hey, let's sit down with Neil Gaiman. What? Like, like that's insane. It is a geek heaven. And yet, a lot of people seem to, like, either find out after the fact or slowly, because they did it through their new Netflix geek, geeked or whatever uh, Twitter account. And it wasn't, and they would push stuff through to the other ones, but not so much. It was kind of this exclusive event trying to get people onto this Twitter handle. Right. Whoever was in charge of their marketing needs to be fired because <laughs> I'm on Twitter. I'm on like, you know, the internet and I did not sniff this at all. Like this was not publicized well enough for me to figure this out. Right. So when I saw your 
agenda for tonight i'm like oh my god like where'd you get all this stuff from and (laughs) you know you had to fill me in it's it's yeah i think netflix dropped the ball a little bit on this one a little bit i mean especially because like i said not only do you cover a lot of netflix on your own pod but jesus christ you were on here and we did the full-on preview for the netflix action films you know months ago and a lot of the films that dropped their either trailers or first looks or all these other stuff that goes along with it were these movies. So, like, you're interested. You're in the game. And yet, uh, you know, you had to stumble upon it after the fact. Right. Which is discouraging. Which maybe I should be doing more uh, fishing on the Internet. But, <laughs> you know, I just no. That's how people turn into like, you know, doomsday preppers and, and other things. I don't want that for you, Shane. Stay stay with me, man. Stay stay on the local train. Do not go trying to go down the, the deep rabbit holes. We don't want you doing any of that stuff. I've seen it. I've lost too many people to that. So, But one nice thing is that we are a bunch of geeks who care about a lot of this stuff. Uh, and there was a lot of big titles, a lot of huge projects that, you hadn't really seen a lot or that were coming up uh, in the next, you know, few weeks, months, whatever, uh, that, you know, they were, they're the big tickets for the summer. So we're going to go through, uh, we'll probably go, you know, trailers. There's a lot of exclusive first looks and then there's some release date stuff that was discussed. So we'll start with the movie stuff. And then, like I said, up top, we'll probably get into a little more, you know, just highlights, maybe a little, uh, fun memory memory berries or whatever like member berries uh you know get into the nostalgia brain uh for some stuff and, and then we'll and then we'll get into some things that weren't there and, and why that's a problem uh coming up so first up shane three big trailers for the movie side came through and you know especially one is very near and dear to your heart so i'll be i won't be shocked if you end up picking this of the three but the three trailers that were released were for The Last Mercenary, the uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme movie that's coming out in at the end of July, uh, the Fear Street tri- trilogy uh, for R.L. Stein. They're doing three films, uh, you know, July 2nd, 9th, and 16th, uh, kind of like a teen slasher-ish stuff, a lot of... Uh, a lot of vibes that will be very familiar. We'll get into that in a sec. And then uh, Blood Red Sky, which is an interesting film. They released a teaser of that uh, where it's kind of like a German-English film uh, about a plane being hijacked and a, and a woman having a mysterious virus illness that ends up getting revealed in this little trailer of what's actually going on. That movie comes out July 23rd. So of those three, Shane, which one are you picking as the one that made you the most amped, the most geeked out after seeing it? This is tougher than you think, because I know you're going to think I'm going to say The Last Mercenary. I, my, I was thinking it. <laughs> right, because of my love for JCVD. But I'm, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm still looking forward to that because that looks fun. It looks, uh, you know, he's not taking himself too seriously. It has yeah. a lot of good scenes in the trailer, like him dancing, which he still hasn't learned how to dance since Kickboxer. So, <laughs> you know what that's you know what that's about, Shane. That I is know. full on Baron Zemo. Everybody wants to see every character dance in action stuff from now on. But I, I was more intrigued. I love the idea of the Fear Street trilogy because it takes place in three different timelines and they're getting released in three different weeks. Yeah, 
I'm really intrigued with that. But the one that really had me was Blood Red Sky. Of course you did. (laughs) Because of the concept of that trailer. It's like, again, it has Dominique Purcell, who I really like. Yeah. Uh, Graham McTavish, who is really good. Mm -hmm. But the concept that these terrorists are taking over this plane and this woman has, like you said, quote unquote, this illness, which you find out at the end of the trailer, what she is. I was like, that's an interesting concept. Yeah, the teaser's out, and I think we mentioned it in our horror movie thing. It's kind of been a little bit known. We were like, it's vampires. Right. And it's totally, and she, you know, there are pictures out and the trailer to where it's like she's got the fangs out and going for broke. So, right. She has a kid. She's trying to somehow hide the fact that she's a vampire. You see that at the beginning of the trailer, she's taking some kind of shot to like maybe seduce what she has. Yeah. And then at the end, she realizes, hey, I have to. I have to come all out. I have to show everyone who I am. Yeah. To save this flight. So conceptually, I like Blood Red Sky, but my heart is with The Last Mercenary because that just looks like a lot of fun. That looks sure. like fun. And I'll say, though, I, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I, I'm actually going the other way a little bit. Well, I mean, listen, I am up for all three of these. I liked, I echo your sentiments about Last Mercenary. I liked that it didn't take itself seriously. It had a lot of good action. Anytime you're getting GCVD in drag, doing splits, dancing like Baron Zemo, and some random guy wearing only underwear riding a scooter, it's obviously, it's a, it's a, it's exactly what it should be, right? It, you know, the end stage JCVD, this is exactly what you want. But... And Blood Red Sky, I, I'm I'm into it too, man. That is my type of stuff. I'm hoping you know it's it's some quick ninety minute, you know, just vampire on a plane movie. Like, what do I need? What <laughs> don't overcomplicate it for me. Just get to it and just you know rip people to shreds. I want to see it, you know. So we'll see what happens. But the Fear Street trilogy, I'm excited. Probably 90% of me is just excited as a podcaster to have something that a lot of people are going to watch <laughs> on Netflix. It's been a little, it's a, you know, besides Army of the Dead, that was a, a hit for them. But this is multiple weeks. It's something you can track. It's something that, you know, because Stranger Things got pushed back, you're going to get those fans to kind of come to this as kind of like, you know, the appetizer before they get the main course, you know, probably in early 2022. And from what I understand, I've heard on other podcasts uh, who have seen the movie, um, that, or at least the first film, that it's going to do exactly what you want. If you were a, a person who loved 90s slashers, that first film is going to ape all the scream and, and I know what you did last night, all the Kevin Williamson kind of you know franchise stuff is going to be you know completely, not ripped off, but a, a lot of homages happening. And from what I understand, because they did it a little bit uh, in the trailer as well, tons of 90s music needle drops, which, you know, right here, baby. You know, I think it's what? The first one is 1994. You know, that's uh, I was 12. That's my formative years. You know, the grunge movement into, you know, the 90s alternative movement. That is all me. So I will take all of those factors in. And I'm a Stranger Things fan. So if you take those elements and mix them together and put out a quality product and you, I get three movies. Awesome. I'm in. Yeah. I'm with you. Uh, you know, when I watched that trailer, I will honestly say, and I hope I'm wrong, but out of the three, the two I was interested in the most was the 1994 movie, which kicks off the whole thing. 
Right. Then the 19, I think it was 1978. That's, and then the 1666 one is the one I'm having. Eh, my expectations are set a little lower on that third one. But the yeah, first, I'm never into which movies and witchcraft right. stuff. I know it'll kind of bring it all together or whatever. But, but the well, first two, the 94 and the 78 one, oh my God, I'm all on board for it. Because like you said, it reminded me of Scream. I know what you did last summer, Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, all those things. It looks like it does take a bit from all those movies and gives us something really to sink our teeth into. So I'm, I'm super excited about the, at least those first two. And right. I hope I'm pleasantly surprised with the which one. Because like you, the which one, I'm like, yeah, okay. Eh, not really my bag, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, and if I'm right, there may be a Nomcast tie-in to the witch. So uh, I'm looking into that more, but a nice little teaser for all my fans that hopefully, you know, we might get a, a little bit of a, maybe we'll sit down with the witch. I don't know. Maybe we'll get in there. We'll, we'll see. If not, I'll feel very proud that there is a Netflix uh, and Nomcast tie in to this big franchise series that's going to happen. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, they also went through and dropped like a bunch of like exclusive clips and first look photos for a few projects. Uh, the Ice Road, which uh, is coming right up uh, in a couple weeks here, uh, they did an exclusive. Uh, one from that with Liam Neeson at, as a trucker on the helm going over the ice road. Um, and then Gunpowder Milkshake, which, you know, not to tip my hand too much, I'm very excited. I saw the trailer for that one, and it was awesome action stuff. I don't know about the plot yet, but I'll tell you, like, it's it's got me real intrigued. Uh, and so they did an exclusive clip for that. That comes out on July 14th. And then Sweet Girl, the Jason Momoa film that you and I previewed, um, you know, back on the action episode, um, you know, the first look photos of that came out. No trailer yet. I was a little disappointed, but I know it's not until end of August. So I don't know if they're still putting the finishing touches on that. But we get the first looks of big Jack Momoa and and all the his his side people, including uh, the person who plays his daughter, because I believe it's more of a revenge film for the killing of his wife. Um, so that look very good as well so of those three shane which one are you picking which one is the one that stood out for you and made you most excited oh without a doubt it's gunpowder milkshake i mean yeah all right yeah, i saw the trailer and that thing made my pants tight like it has <laughs> everything i want in that movie it, it it feels like it blends into the world of john wick slash hotel artemis it sure. feels like it belongs in that world plus the cast is amazing it really uh, is. It has that. It has my one of my favorite actresses of all time, Carla Guglielmo, which I know is not her name. But that's what I, I refer to as. I I thought of you immediately when I um, saw that. It has Paul Giamatti, who's one of my favorites. That movie looks insane. In fact, of everything we're going to talk about tonight, that's probably the thing I'm looking forward to the most. Uh, is Gunpowder Milkshake? I am. That is it for me. Then I would say Sweet Girl because it has my guy, Jason Momoa. And he can't do anything wrong. And uh, then Ice Road, which I know is going to be entertaining because it's Liam Neeson. It's insane. That clip I watched today with them like going over the ice road was yeah, <laughs> it was bonkers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, it's Gunpowder Milkshake. That's that's it for me. Yeah. And don't sleep on Lawrence Fishburne in that movie, too. I haven't seen him in a while doing fun stuff. So I will take that. Uh, and the guy who wrote 
Armageddon, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Like, he's the writer-director of this one. I'm hoping uh, a lot of those things, the combination of those things, gets a very watchable action-adventure. Uh, you know, and he also did Jumanji, speaking of action-adventure. So let's hope for the best there. But I'm with you, man. Gunpowder Milkshake is the one that I think stands out. And this is what concerns me a little bit, right? So now, the last ones, I believe... Um, either all three of those movies of the trailer ones, maybe outside of Blood Red Sky, I'm not sure, but Netflix has been doing more acquiring lately, or at least the titles that they've been acquiring seem to intrigue me a little bit more than what they've actually produced lately. So to me, uh, Gunpowder Milkshake is another acquisition. So I think part of it is that it intrigues me because the look is just it's that studio big action money you know that they used to make it and and getting a lot of these stars I think this fits their type of library you know maybe pardon the pun considering it's a bunch of fake librarians but you know it's definitely something that I think it it's a great pickup for them but it's something that I'm trying to slowly see here I am starving for a Netflix movie, whole cloth Netflix movie, that is going to make me sit up and take notice because it's been a minute. So I'm um, I'm trying to get there. I don't know if you feel the same. You you watch a lot of these as well. You know you know there's been only certain ones that maybe I've given like you know I want that four star. I want that four and a half five star. Like I want the higher echelon Netflix movie of 2021, and I feel that the stamp hasn't happened yet. No, it hasn't happened yet. And I'm like with you, I watch all these all these movies, Netflix movies, original movies, and some of them have been very entertaining. I'll, I'll give them that. But there's not one that made me like, oh, my God, I this is it. I want more of this. This is what they should have in their library. I haven't come across that yet so far. So this is the one I'm, I'm just I'm pinning everything onto this freaking movie <laughs> right here. Yeah. Well, I will say uh as a as a minor apology to that, the Mitchells versus the Machines was probably the best, you know. But again, uh, a Sony animated Netflix acquisition uh, that you know did very well, and it's an, a very good movie. I spoke glowingly of it on this podcast, so that's about as close. That is like the best with up until recently. I I would say that was the best movie I saw this year. But uh, uh, recently, I, I'm, I'll say it, it's not a Netflix movie, so I'm putting myself out on a limb there. But I enjoyed the hell out of Quiet Place 2. Um, and after I absolutely loved the first one, I didn't think it was that big a drop off at all. And that, I think, is sitting right up top right now. So a lot of good stuff around. Uh, and In the Heights I watched over the weekend, that's a very good film, too. So you know, Netflix has to kick their game back up, especially with, you know, In the Heights being an HBO Max thing. And, and you know, the, the they're doing the day and date stuff. The Conjuring sequel came out and kind of did a bunch of noise, too. Netflix has to get back on their horse, man. And I hope Gunpowder Milkshake is exactly that uh, coming out next month. So next up, they did drop a couple of release dates. Uh, sort of, in a way. Uh, one for sure, a hard release date uh, for Kate, which was one of the films that you and I previewed as well, an action movie uh, that looks very good with uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, uh, Woody Harrelson, uh, kind of, again, just a, a simple plot, you know, 
a vengeance, uh, revenge plot kind of thing uh, with a female assassin. Um, that is coming out September 10th. They released a, a super short little teaser to go along with it, showing some of the gunplay action uh, with with the lead there. And then something that I I still am marveling at. I knew this was sort of coming, but God, this happened fast. I didn't think it was going to happen this fast, but the Army of the Dead prequel... Army of Thieves is coming out with a fall 2021 release. Um, no set date, no nothing written in stone, but it's also listed as a rom-com slash heist movie set during the initial stages of that zombie invasion. So, you know, and it centers around the Dieter character. We talked about this a lot during our Army of the Dead episode. Um <laughs> I, this is going to be uh, not I'm, I don't even need to ask this question based on the look on your face but of those two which one are you more intrigued about <laughs> it's Kate it's Kate yeah it's not even yeah. close like I you know first of all I love uh, Mary Elizabeth uh, Winstead I, I everything she's in I like her I even liked her in the um, Birds of Prey movie I thought she yeah, was underutilized I thought movie. she was the best part yeah, yeah I thought she was very underutilized in that movie and you throw Woody Harrelson into any movie, it's got it, it, you know it's got me peaked. The whole uh-huh. Army of Thieves thing, I actually had to look that up after I saw it on your notes, and it's based on the Dieter character, which he directed this movie. Yeah, <laughs> I guess he likes to direct himself. And I'm like, eh, okay, like, do we need this movie? No, like, I just the Dieter character is one of the most. He's probably one of the characters I had the most issues with in army of the dead. Oh really? Yeah. Cause he was not essential. He was not essential. I guess just to make it, I mean, story, he's... just to make a long story short is Tanaka safe. He should know the code. So they didn't need a code breaker in that movie. I guess that's fair. I mean, it is owned and operated by the banks. So for me, it could have been for, a little extra. Right. Stuff, I but, like this character yeah. cause he's there for comic relief. So I did, I did enjoy that part, but do we need, I, I, to me, this, I don't know It it bothers me at my core that this <laughs> thing is coming out. And like you said, it happened so fast. I didn't it even did. catch a wind of this coming out until I saw it in your notes. Well, yeah. Out of the two, it's Kate. And I just hope for the best with army of thieves. If it's a rom-com heist movie, I'll give it a go. Like, I'm going to watch it regardless. I love heist movies. Yeah, so me I'm, too. I'm, I'm in, too. And that was part of the appeal for the whole Army of the Dead thing. Right, unless they, so, don't, unless they don't use it as a MacGuffin. Right. I mean, what they're... <laughs> yeah. I mean, what they're trying to do is show that he had skills, that he, you know, was maybe a more essential piece and and to give him, not to spoil Army of the Dead, but obviously gave him a little more than what maybe he got and then won't get going <laughs> forward. Um, so, you know, they're trying to utilize it because apparently this guy's a big-time German actor, German star. So they're trying to squeeze that out. And this is obviously a very big attempt on Netflix's part to, I don't know if it'll count um, or whether uh, blood red sky also is part of that. Cause it's German English. They're trying to, I know they have certain things where a lot of local governments won't let Netflix release movies uh, to them or have them as a service. If they don't have films from that country, in there so that might be a little bit of gamesmanship on top of the fact that they already have 
potentially the biggest actor in Germany going like and let him direct, which I guess he's done before, I think, as well. So I think they think they're in capable hands. And obviously, you know, it, it's still part of the Snyderverse stuff. So they're hoping to get a little bit of a bump there, too, because um, it's still produced by him. And it's uh, one of the writers from Army of the Dead is the writer of this film, too. So it's got a lot of the same hallmarks. It's just, will people care? Because, you know, the movie, a lot of people watched it, but I don't feel like it had a lasting buzz. Um, I don't, and again, Snyder, his fans will always show up. We've gone over that extensively, but outside of that, will people care enough to turn on this film when it's like, oh, it doesn't have Dave Batista. Oh, it doesn't have any of these people. Oh, just one? And and that's all we're going to get, and I have to care now. So like, I'm I'm interested to see how well it does. I think if they market it well and they do right by it, I think people will watch it because it. As we both know, when you look randomly during the day in the top ten of Netflix, you get these foreign films. We've talked about it. We've done podcasts on it. Yeah. You get these weird foreign films in the top ten that we've never heard of. Like I just watched, not to launch into another thing, but Extreme was sure. in the top 10 i watched that that was like number four or five at the time right. i never heard or don't know anyone in that movie right I, yeah i watched it and really enjoyed that movie right so i'm thinking this you know because of what you said with Zack snyder to tie into army of the dead i think people are going to have an interest and say okay let's see what happens with this character or like what happened you know prior to the army of the dead marching into las vegas yeah, I think um, it'll be interesting because I guess it's, you know, kind of once it starts to spread globally, that's when it's going to because I believe it's all set in Germany. Um, so, you know, it might have a lot of subtitles. It might have a lot of things that might, you know, not be easy for people to buy in immediately. But we'll see. You know, it is still a zombie movie. And, and also to your point, something that we've talked about. Random action movie B will just show up on the Netflix top 10 where people just have this thirst. As long as you could sell it appropriately, say like produced by Zack Snyder, here's another zombie movie. They'll go, all right, well, I think that's enough. So I think it'll definitely get enough play and we'll see where it goes from there. But, you know, the one thing about Geek Week, it didn't have a ton of movie stuff. So we are going to dip our toes into some of the non-movie stuff because, like I said, that was pretty much it. I wrote down everything that was considered Netflix movie, and that was it, guys. So we covered it all. But there are some non-movie stuff that you know are definitely things that are near and dear to my heart. And, and Shane, you'll obviously go over what, what you want, especially one thing in particular. You're like, wait, we're going to do this and we're not going to talk about this? <laughs> so we'll get there. Um but here's some non-movie highlights, stuff that I was personally invested in on some level throughout. Um, Stranger Things, they listed four new cast members. Plus, I, I'm I'm interested in this, maybe because I'm a podcaster, but they're going to have a prequel podcast series for the Robin character from the last season, Rebel Robin Surviving Hawkins, um, kind of setting up uh, the high school that is going to be a big part of uh, the next season coming up for Stranger Things, so I'm interested there. Sandman, I'm a big Neil Gaiman fan. I have the entire Sandman series, a giant hardcover bound, 
you know, Sandman series thing that I absolutely love. I, I had it when it was, I was one of the early comic books I got from when comic book conventions were still in like with sweaty dudes in gymnasiums. Like the, I had the old, you know, uh, Sandman comics from that time too. Uh, and they finally put out a behind the scenes look with Neil Gaiman himself. Um, so we'll talk about that. Uh, cause I think it looks very good. The sets were very impressive. Cowboy Bebop, uh, an animated anime show that like a lot of people like it's super popular um they're doing a live action version that's going to be coming out in the fall uh with the same composer and john cho is like the main character uh you know so that's a big name that they're attaching this especially for a tv project so that uh news of that came out um twilight of the gods speaking of Zack snyder i had no idea i thought i knew every snyder thing coming through for netflix animated series produced by Zack Snyder called Twilight of the Gods featuring Thor, Loki, Odin, and many other Norse gods uh, appearing with a bunch of very cool voice actors. As I said to Shane off air, I might have to watch it just because Peter Stormare is one of the voices and he's always batshit crazy. I love that man to death. Um, and then the one of the ones that's clearly, uh, you know, anyone of my age level, mine and Shane's age level, Masters of the Universe Revelation from producer, a showrunner, Kevin Smith, uh, is being released in two parts starting July 23rd. And they showed a lot of, you know, clips and and, and deep, deep info, which you're always going to get from Kevin Smith. He's always everywhere and he will give you every ounce of information to make you psyched to watch this. Or at least I think so. We'll get it to Shane in a minute. Um, but of those five, Shane, and maybe if you have a wild card, I don't know, what gives you the biggest geek boner uh, of those projects right there? Oh, it's Masters of the Universe. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> no, there's no question. I'm yeah. an unapologetic uh, Kevin Smith fan. Like, I love Kevin Smith from same Clerks to even though Walrus, no matter what he's doing, I always like what he's doing. He's always open to the fans. He's always very transparent. Some people are tired of him because he's all over the place, but you know what? I don't give a crap. Like, I love Kevin Smith. I love his dialogue. I love the way he writes movies. I love his character. So when he, when I saw the trailer for this, it gave me that very 80s feel, you know, slightly updated, but it did feel like the 80s cartoon. Yes. You know, I love the music it was set to. It was cheesy, over the top. Dude, it's Bonnie Tyler. It's an '80s song, like I, you know, holding out for a hero. Right. Man. It's it's classic '80s cheese. I love that. So I love the animation, and I think Kevin Smith will keep it light, you know, with his dialogue, which they didn't give a whole. Like I don't think they gave any dialogue during that trailer. So besides the whole, I am. They had to do the I am the power, right? Or, or I have the power. Excuse me, Jesus Christ. Right. So yes. other than that, I'm like, okay. So I wonder what the tone is going to be for that show when characters actually start talking to each other but i'm like you know what yeah. kevin smith knows that property he knows that material i think he's going to treat it right and treat it with respect so i'm all on board with masters of the universe i cannot tell you uh, other than that i'll admit i'll admit um i've never read sandman before i always wanted to that's cool never did but I watched that clip this afternoon. I love the cast of that show. Uh, Boyd Holbrook, uh, Patton Oswalt, uh, Gwendolyn Christie from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, Charles Dance from Game of Thrones. 
love the cast. I love the set design. I love the ideas that they have. I love the concept of that show. So that would probably be number two. And I'm a huge Stranger Things fan. But I'll be honest with you, I read like the cast description of who they're adding. And like, it was such a generic, like, you know, boy, such a basketball star has a big heart, gets in trouble. I'm like, yeah, that, you know, that's not telling me anything. No, I, I think they, they don't need to anymore. Right, and right. that's the thing. I was surprised they did anything at all. And, I, and that's why I'm, I guess I'm interested in that podcast series because it might give you some insights because they want you to get into the, the podcasting realm. It's kind of like the first, you know, bait on the hook you know it's uh we're trying to get us to see if more people will do that right especially the age level that the stranger things franchise gets you know people in uh, people who are into it are into that you know podcasting age level right and i love I, i'm a huge fan of stranger things that's more that's probably top three netflix shows of all time so of right. course i'm hooked they don't have to tell me anything about that show they don't need to show me any clips <laughs> they don't need to show me anything yeah. um the Zack Snyder Twilight of the Gods, eh, okay, whatever. Like, I'm not, I love Netflix animated shows. I think Castlevania by far is their best animated series on Netflix. Uh, but they just came out with, like, the Blood of Zeus or Blood Zeus, like, a couple yeah, months ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to me, this is, like, riding, not riding the coattails, but, like, it's very similar <laughs> to that show. So I'm like, how is he going to differentiate that between sure. Blood of Zeus? And he's like, well, it's my own take on the norse mythology I'm like well i saw your own take on the dceu and i'm not impressed so like <laughs> right <laughs> you got try to sell me a little bit more but like he said with animated shows you can do a whole lot more in the world of animation than you can in the movie world so i'm willing to give him a pass on that and i'll still watch it because i do watch all those shows but right. out of everything we've talked about that's probably the one i'm least looking forward to yeah. Um. I, what I'll say, I, I, Twilight of the Gods specifically is a test balloon because, as we were kind of saying with some of the other things, Zack Snyder and the Army of the Dead universe has another thing with their uh, anime prequel with like voices from Batista and other people that they're doing, uh, via Netflix as well. So I mean, if they're trying to stay in the anime game with Zack Snyder. And trying to do it with the franchise route with the Army of Dead, Army of the Dead prequel stuff, then obviously this one, if they could pair them or put them around the same time and really kind of do this massive Snyderverse launch, that would be insane. So, like, they're really cranking them out. I mean, I don't know how long they've had Snyder on the hook here. It's it's interesting because he just kind of exited it, uh, the DCEU in a way. So I don't know how all this came together, but man, does he have a lot of work coming his way with Netflix. It seems like he's been in talks with them longer than we think he has. Yeah, this is like NBA free agency where it's like you knew where you were signing three years ago and then, oh, wait, what? It's signing day? Oh, yeah, uh, by the way, I'm signing with this yeah, team. Yeah, the NFL tampering yeah. period. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the same deal. You know how it goes. But yeah, I, I'm uh, I, I'm with you, man. Like uh, Masters of the Universe. Um, if if people didn't know already, I I am a big Kevin Smith fan. Uh, I I worked for the man on a project. Uh, it was only a weekend, man, but it was awesome, and he was super nice, and it was a lot of fun, man. And, and I I am indebted to him for like one of my early stuff that you know I still brag about to this day. So it was very cool, and I I 
I follow him because of it, man. He 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 deserves it. He's he's that kind of like geek icon now that you know. He's an avatar, basically. He's everywhere. He's in, you know, he's at film festivals. He works for IMDb. Like, he's everywhere. He's that guy. And Masters of the Universe, I always felt could use an update. I, I'm, <laughs> I still every now and then watch the movie Masters of the Universe with Dolph Lundgren because why not? Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> just I know it's bad, but it's one of those. That was one of the first movies I remember in the movie theater kind of movies, and you know. Soft spot for sure. Um, and Masters of the Universe Revelation, I'll take a swing, man. The animation looks really good. They also, speaking of Masters of the Universe, uh, the tale of Tila, a former captain of the guard of Castle Grayskull, um, she's a big part of this anime, animated show as well. Uh, and I remember her as being uh, one of the better parts of that Masters of the Universe movie. So, Everything is still in my brain, man. I can just dial up all my 80s memories and put them right into this project, and I will be super into it. Um, like I said, very into Sandman. The big thing with Sandman to me, um, I love the casting, as you said. The sets look great. But as Gaiman put it himself, it's a, it's a show that's made for people who love Sandman by people who love Sandman. So anytime you get that kind of energy behind a project, I'm in. It's kind of like, you know, the George R.R. R. Martin projects going forward at HBO. It's like, yeah, people who absolutely loved Game of Thrones who would end up now making future Game of Thrones shows are going to be all in. Or Lord of the Rings at Amazon Prime or any of these other things. Taking big swings with literary legends. See where it goes. Uh, I, and same thing, as you said, uh, Stranger Things is uh, one of my favorite shows on there. Uh, I want to see how they're going to come back with it. I'm interested in all the stuff they had. Like you said, I was, I was lukewarm on the casting news. It didn't really, it's not stars you're going to be into. It's not uh, a ton of information that's going to give you more leading up into the show. Because we don't even know when it's coming out officially. So, you know, they're not going to give you too much. They're just going to give you just enough to to remember that Stranger Things will eventually come out. Um, Cowboy Bebop. Um, I've been I was in and out of that show when I was younger. I think, you know, I just missed that timeline somehow. Um, you know, I watched it a little bit when it was on Cartoon Network or whatever, and I enjoyed it. Uh, what I did see, but I'm not the Uber fan that a lot of people are. So I'm intrigued by this because it's a, a new way to kind of get back into that universe. So I'll do that. Um, and yeah, anything Snyderverse, I already kind of said, you know, uh, we'll, we'll get into it. So, um, but one thing I did want to do before we uh, get to our movie uh, reviews at the end here, one thing that was noticeably absent from geek week or, uh, you know, or at least wasn't felt by me anyway, I, I looked at a lot of the stuff and I didn't see it could have been on some of the live shows, but one big property that Netflix owns the rights to and has many things in development, uh, 10 projects actually right now of different levels of development, including five movies. So that's why we're going to talk about it a little bit here. Malar World, not a single peep from Malar World, and especially after you know Jupiter's Legacy came out that first week of May and has already been canceled after that one season, and it ended on a cliffhanger, <laughs> of all things. Um, they said that characters might come back in future progr uh, projects, but, man, 
um, to spend a reported $200 million for that season and to, you know, immediately kind of get rid of it. They had a plans for five to six seasons on this chain and, and they got a lot more stuff to come. Um, and we can get into what the next project is in a minute, but what's your immediate, what was your immediate reaction when the news of Jupiter's legacy not being renewed and then obviously no news for any kind of stuff for geek week i was absolutely shocked uh when it got canceled uh, only because of how fast it got canceled because i watched i binged the first season uh over the course of two days when it came out right and it was uneven that was my first impression on it. It takes place in two different, you know, time periods, the origin story back in the 1930s and you get like present day stuff. Right. I thought the present day stuff was not my favorite of the show. I like the origin tale more than I like the, the new stuff, but um, I was just blown away. And then I kept reading where it cost Netflix a reported 10 million per episode when it first aired. And then it bloomed to 15 million. And then by the end of it, it was like 19 million per episode. And I yeah. kept thinking to myself, the only thought I had was like, what are you spending $19 million on? Like, what are know. you doing? It's a slightly better produced CW show. I know. And, yeah. And your biggest star is Josh Dumel, who's coming off of <laughs> yeah. Taco Bell commercials. Right. Like, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah, it wasn't a terrible show and they've canceled. I thought they've canceled, you know, uh, or they've kept around worse shows longer than Jupiter's Legacy. So I was shocked because I'm like, I was going to review it like two weeks ago. And then I clicked on Monday and they're like canceled. I'm like, OK, I guess I don't have to review that show anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and like you said, the, the the properties they bought from Millar, like I, I'm like, what are you doing? And then they, you know, they announced they're coming out with another project. I'm like. Why not take the time to get the second season right and right. Then spin off and do something else rather than just scrapping this whole thing? Yeah. And you may have characters come back later. Like, okay. Yeah. Well, why am I going to care about that? Wouldn't I care more if there was a second season or, you know, wouldn't I care more about a second season than a spinoff from a season that failed? Like, at least if I'm following the storyline, I'm in, right? You know, like, I don't understand that. But I definitely echo a lot of the sentiments you said. I mean, definitely, you know, the, in terms of the look and quality, I, I we were talking off air about that, where it was like, yeah, it's a, a little bit of a step up from, like, CW, maybe, uh, at times, you know, the, the quality of the fights, maybe. Um, but definitely the costumery and a lot of the, the look of it and, frankly, a lot of the, the kind of more sappy storylines and stuff like that, it definitely echoed a lot of those CW shows. Uh, but to be honest, I, I prefer a lot of them. You're right. It, it, it is uneven. I did enjoy the origin way more. Um, and a lot of his kids, which is supposed to be the, the new wave uh, of the superheroes that might take the show forward, I hated that the most. So that's a really big red flag to me. Uh, if that's where they were going to go with it going forward. Because uh, apparently, for people who know the storyline, there's apparently a very big murder uh, that was supposed to happen at the end of season two of it was supposed to happen, and now we're not going to see it, or they'll spin it off and call it Jupiter's you know, anus or whatever the hell they want to call it. Uh, I know, uh, not to be too cheeky, but like uh, I, there is Jupiter's legacy, and I guess there's Jupiter's circle, 
um, you know, which I think uh, was the tool sideband, right? No, I'm kidding. Um, That's a perfect kidding, circle. Right? That's a perfect. I know what it is. I'm being an <laughs> asshole. Um, but yeah, no. That, but apparently, they have multiple Jupiter storylines in other books that they were going to get to all these things and and keep that different storyline thing going on and jump decades and and do that. So maybe they thought if that was the plan and season one didn't work that, well, then why are we going to keep spending money and just doing it? But I don't know. If you're going to try to hang on to this, you kind of at least have to give it two seasons. If anything, like just for the amount of money, why why wouldn't you? Uh, But the reason is for, for anybody who's wondering why it got canceled as fast as it did is contracts because they had Josh Jumel and, and, a, and a few others were needed to know whether they were going to be let out of their contracts or not. And so they did, they let them out uh, the major players, but why the contract wasn't already a set deal. I don't know. I don't know what the <laughs> the deal was. They didn't go into major details. What is Josh Jumel really doing next? What is he? No, I know. Is he, I don't tra- know. is he doing another transformers movie? We don't know about like, what is he doing? I don't know, man. Yeah, I, I don't get it either. Like, it wasn't these massive stars, but you never know. You never know what's uh, uh, cooking. Even as far as Netflix goes, maybe they had them on for other things that they had them earmarked for that maybe they were better suited for. But I know uh, there was a lot of tweets and a lot of news stuff from uh, former showrunner Stephen Denight that he was like, yeah, it was very expensive and insanely complicated. He left halfway through uh, and ended his uh exclusive deal with netflix too like so it got weird man and not to jump in on you but wasn't and i know for i think i know for a fact he was at least part of the showrunner of daredevil i don't remember but that name sounds familiar now that you mentioned it so yeah so i from just based on the work he did on daredevil leave the guy alone let's just i know (laughs) let him do what he needs to do Especially at that price tag, leave it. And Netflix is usually more hands off than most studios. So I'm I'm interested to know where this kind of all went wrong. Um, but you know, they really need a win now, and and th- that's why the the absence on Netflix Geek Week was weird because I know they have a next project, Super Crooks, that is uh, an anime series that is set. And they're actually doing both, but uh, anime and live action, which is also very weird. Um, but they're they're set to have the anime series, I believe, come out later this year, and they're going to do a debut for it, uh, a first look debut at an animation festival a week from now or during this week of this recording. What the hell? Why didn't you just up it a week and put it during Netflix Geek Week? I don't get it. I think they're fucking this up. I really hope not because when I when you invest that much money, not only in the season, but just in Malar World as a product, man, you got to start getting some things right because, you know, we, oh, there's only so much stuff in the pipeline, man. You have 10 projects. You need a win. They need a win real bad. <laughs> yeah, don't come out with a big swing and a miss. I mean, that's the worst thing you can do. I know. Yeah. I, like, like anything, I mean, Marvel, you know, when they took uh, a swing at trying to, to build off the, you know, the start off the MCU or whatever, like you start with Iron Man because you don't, you don't start with, you know, Falcon or, you know, you don't start off with Black Widow. You don't start off with those. You, you go for the big fish and you, and people have to buy in from there. If they thought Jupiter's legacy was the big fish, and then they ultimately screwed it up so bad that it got one season only. Wow. 
Wow. Yeah. Um, so at least they're not building a universe surrounded completely by this storyline that there's multiple things. It's all separate. So they got that going for it. But man, they really need. I hope Super Crooks does well for them. Um, but even then, that's weird because it'll be like, hey, the anime series did well. Can't wait for the live action one. <laughs> like, what the hell are we doing? Um, so that'll be interesting. We'll we'll get we'll keep you updated on that because I'm definitely intrigued. Um, but what we're going to do after this quick break, we are going to come back and give you a couple of, of geeky movies we missed in the last couple months, um, with some, some bigger talent and, you know, one import that I had very high hopes for. See what we think about it when we get back from this break. Sweet. Today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Podcorn. Listen, everybody. I subscribed to all the industry podcasts and I joined all the social media groups looking for advice on how to make my podcast bigger, better, and more professional. And something that always comes up is the daunting thought of monetization. Sponsors. How do I get sponsors? Do sponsors even want me? Are the sponsors that do want me something that I want for my brand and my listeners? How much am I even worth with my current listener base? Can I wear white after Labor Day if I'm working from home now? Okay, that one's just for me. But these are all valid questions. Valid questions that usually stop people like me from pursuing sponsors in the first place. And it probably would have stopped me too if I didn't find out about Podcorn. All it took was creating an account, linking my show's analytics to the site, and bam, I was in. I was immediately able to check out all the potential sponsors and choose the ones I thought would be the best fit. You could choose what kinds of ads you want to do from pre-roll to something a little different like interviews and giveaways. I pitched a bunch of sponsors, my commercial ideas, and chose my own rate, and Podcorn made it so easy. They answered all my questions and helped me every single step of the way. I think Podcorn would be very instrumental in taking the Nomcast to the next level. I'm sounding more professional already. To learn more, check the link in our show notes and sign up for Podcorn today. This episode of the Nomcast is brought to you by Bruch. Bruch is an electric toothbrush that will change the way you think about brushing your teeth. With powerful sonic technology and ultra-gentle bristles, the Bruch redefines what it means to have super clean teeth. It's like that feeling when you just leave the dentist uh, a fresh whole mouth clean every single day. Our listeners get 15% off their total purchase with the code POD15. That's P-O-D-1-5. Follow the link in the show notes and enter the code POD15 to get your exclusive discount and upgrade your oral care routine. All right, a couple of Geek Week-inspired, more geeky films uh, that we're going to cover that we missed out on the last couple months. I've been feeling weird, Shane. My last few episodes I haven't uh, reviewed. It's been either like previews and interviews and stuff. I'm like, all right, let's get back. Let's get back to the heart of the matter here and and get a few reviews in because I've been watching stuff but not getting everything out to you guys. So we're going to cover a couple of films. Um, We'll start the first one here. I know... It, it it was interesting. Like it was one of those movies that was on my radar. A lot more people watched this than I was aware of. It was definitely you know kind of like 
on the top 10. Didn't get super high, but it definitely just hung around for quite a while, Shane. Oxygen, uh, a movie with Melanie Laurent, who a lot of people will recognize from either Michael Bay's Six Underground, which was on Netflix, or Inglorious Bastards, of course, where she gets kind of this big... Uh, big scene, if not big role, in that Quentin Tarantino movie from years ago. Uh, it's directed by Alexand- <laughs> Alexandra Aja, um, who is a director that I would think actually you might be a fan of. I, I will get there in a second, but, you know, Crawl, Horns, The Hills Have Eyes remake, High Tension or Hot Tension or whatever uh, what it was called, uh, the Piranha remake. A lot of genre fare from this director, um, and it's a movie that has pretty decent scores out there. Um, you know, an eighty-eight percent tomato meter, seventy-four percent audience score from them, six point five on IMDb, three point one on Letterbox, sixty-seven Metascore. So it's do it did pretty well. Um, Shane, what did you think going in? Did you hear about this movie before you had this? Did you cover it on your podcast? Let's put that out okay. there, too. Um, you know, since I did take a, a, a brief break from my podcast, it was one of the movies I watched and I was going to eventually cover until you reached out to me. You're like, this is what we're talking <laughs> about. So We got the scoop. Right. So I needed to do it. <laughs> but I didn't know about it until I saw it on the top 10. It was in right. there and I recognized the actress. Uh, Melanie Laurent, who is always going to be Shoshana for me from yes. uh, Inglorious Bastards, and directed by one of my favorite directors going on right now. As you said, I love The Hills Have Eye remake, is one of the best remakes ever done in horror. I loved Crawl from two years ago. Great movie. The Piranha movie was a lot of fun. So I love Alexandre Aja, as I pronounce his name. So I was really he's the one that sold me on this movie. Like, okay, he's directing this movie. I'm going to watch it. Sure. And, uh, uh, this movie was 75%. Like I like two thirds of this movie. Yeah. I love the premise. I love the setup. I loved, uh, she carried this film. Like she outacted the screenplay for me in this, in this movie. Right. It does give you that claustrophobic kind of feel. Um, but there's a couple things that I just I just didn't connect with. And when the end happened, the last third of the movie, I'm like, really? It just really left a sour taste in my mouth. Right. I love the voice of Milo. I loved her connection with with Milo because that kind of what carries this movie along. But yeah, this movie just I, I, I had to reconcile after I got done watching it. After seeing the end, I'm like, did it ruin the whole movie for me? I don't think so, but it almost did. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah, it's definitely a film that hinges on its climax being, you know, a more enlightening and satisfying feeling. And I definitely felt underwhelmed. I was the same as you where I was along for the ride because Melanie Laurent is good enough to hold the movie, which kudos to her for that. She should be commended for that. It's a good performance. But I definitely found myself more into the the actual like kind of almost whodunit stuff like who she would call, what's going on with her husband, you know, what, like all the things that were left in the dark were kind of going through the motions with her, you know. So when, when the movie is in the throes of that, I was locked in. But to know where the payoff was going and then what the actual payoff was, I would say that is definitely 
you know, harder to take and, and doesn't feel as satisfying. So I did kind of sneak uh, a peek. You and I are both uh, friends with each other on Letterboxd. We nailed it. Same, same uh, in terms of our score. I felt kind of bad. I thought it, maybe I should give it a little bit higher, but I think the more I thought about the film, I was like, no, I think I nailed it um, in terms of that, especially because I wasn't even as high on the voice of Milo as you. I thought the interactions were decent, but it sounded so normal, like a just a regular voiceover session that wasn't digitized or made to sound any kind of computerized or anything, you know, I thought the, the phone ca- phone calls sounded more different than the Milo voice was. So I was like, eh, maybe they could have done a little production on that to, to make it a little bit better. Right. So but, what did yeah. you feel about the hallucinations that she was having? No, not spoiling, but when she had those hallucinations once in a while, I just felt that was unnecessary. I'm like, well, they didn't pay off. And, and that's kind of what I was saying, whereas like, I was into it until I know either they didn't matter or they didn't do enough for me at the end. Cause the end is everything. Right. It has to be everything. It's a, it's a, you know, you're figuring she wakes up and she's essentially like, uh, speaking of Quentin Tarantino, uh, you know, it's, it's the bride in the coffin, you know, it's trying to figure out how this person's going to get out of this situation and survive. Well, here's the movie. I, I automatically, uh, compared this movie to, and that was 2010's Buried with Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, okay. Have you seen yeah. that movie? I have not, but I know the premise. So great, yeah. great movie. He ends up working in Iraq. He ends up waking up in a coffin with nothing but a cell phone and a lighter, and you're locked into this coffin for the entire hour and a half mm. of him trying to get himself out of this coffin and trying to communicate with people on where to find him and, and what to do with him. And right. I, I shouldn't compare the two films, but I would say that film went for its ending and went for its payoff and it really punched you in the stomach. And whether you liked it or not, you're like, okay, at least he made a decision and it went for it and you understood yeah. it. Where this one I thought was just pandering. I don't want to say pandering to the audience, but it was like, okay, we don't really know what to do for the ending here. So we're just going to throw this in here. Sure. And hope you like it. Like, I just, oh, so disappointed. <laughs> yeah. And there are some, you know, some sci-fi elements here, some real like futuristic stuff. So, and it kind of is very intricate to the plot. So I don't want to ruin this for anybody to, to some of the stuff that she does figure out about herself uh, and how she ended up in this, you know, uh, capsule to, to put it mildly, I guess um, that, that, you know, she's, on a ride in outer space that you're, you're not going to believe. So like, and, and that's the thing too. I, I don't know if I cared and, and that was a big problem. And, and if it was something more satisfying, I definitely would have put it up more. But once I knew where it was kind of heading or what it ended up doing, I didn't care anymore. And that's, a, that's a bad sign. Right. I'm with you, but it, I will still tell viewers and listeners it's worth a watch. It really is. It is. It's still yeah. worth a watch because of everything you and I have said about this movie. So go put it in. Don't be put off by what we're telling you about the last third act because you may like it. Yeah. But to get from point A to B, it's definitely worth the hour and a half that it was. Yeah. I I, I think the scores that it has are pretty representative. I may be around most of them or slightly below depending on my mood i guess um i'm definitely not you know 
I wouldn't say certified fresh or any of the other uh, <laughs> lovely taglines we have out there. But, you know, it's it's a mid-range movie that had a potential to be better that I was slightly disappointed in. So that's where you get a lot of these, you know, 6.5 out of 10s or 3.1s out of 5s or, you know, 67s out of 100. You know, it's like, or 74 out of 100. So, like, that, I think it's pretty representative. Right, and I will say, just to wrap it up, if you're a fan of Alexandre Aja, this is a different movie uh, from him. This isn't your typical crawl or hills have eyes or halt tension it's not any of that it's it's kind of outside of his scope in some ways so don't go in as expecting a typical movie of his because it's a little different yeah because even the trailer tries to paint it more in his you know his wheelhouse a little bit more intense than than what this movie portrays but it does get intense at times you know and there are a lot of you know, emotional outbursts and things like that because it is a tough situation. So definitely uh, worth it'll worth taking the ride. You could do much worse, but I would say ultimately, you know, if you have other options, <laughs> say, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd say maybe seek them out. So like I said, probably in that, uh, you know, I think I gave it two and a half stars on Letterboxd. So it's, it's that it's a middling type of movie for me. Um, the sad part here is that the second movie, I was all about this, Shane. You know me with a lot of the, the Asian fare that Netflix has picked up over the last couple of years. Time to Hunt was one of my favorites from last year. I think they've done a great job dipping into specifically like Southeast Asia markets and getting these gems to come out. And when I found out that this movie was originally supposed uh, executive produced by the Russo brothers because they were blown away by the script, I was like, how can I not want to turn this on? It's a Chinese film. I, I, how would you characterize this as a, as a thriller? Like, how, like, what do you think? Because I, I could say why I'm asking uh, as part of my critique uh, next, but how would you pitch this to somebody if you were to say what type of movie? If you're talking is? genre. Supernatural thr- thriller? I would say supernatural fantasy movie. Okay. Yeah, that's about right. Because, uh, you know, between the, the, the premise and the trailer that I saw, I thought this could have been my fun Netflix Asian import of the year. Um, you know, this time last year was time to hunt. I really wanted this to be kind of uh, an interesting plot line because uh, a lot of it has to do with kind of like we said, kind of dips into a supernatural tone. Uh, a guy is, you know, fighting a demon in his dreams and and then realizes how he can bring stuff back from his dreams and become rich off of it. And you're like, all right, that's that's pretty cool, man. It's, it's like a it's a unique twist. I've never heard something like that specifically. Um, and I didn't know how they were going to you know, pitch this to make it. How is he going to get caught out? How, what's the tension going to be? Where's this going to go? And my God, this movie was a tone script and character development nightmare. Um, which is of course, ironic as the film's main character is a struggling screenwriter. Um, Shane, 
where did you land on Super Me, which I should have uh, led with that. Super Me uh, was the title of this 2021 film that I had such high hopes for and was so let down. You know, I never heard of this movie until you uh, pitch it that we're going to review this thing. So I looked it up. It took me a while to find on Netflix, by the way. You actually have to like type in the, the entire movie title for it to come up on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, a- there's a lot of super everything. Let's be fair. Yeah, right. That's not a good thing. Uh, oh, my God. Um this movie was all over the place uh just based on my notes one this movie lost me which is not hard to do i will preface that by saying it's not hard to lose (laughs) me in a movie but uh the the last third of the act was just a absolute mess yeah it tried to be inception ish almost yeah i guess sure i didn't care about any of the characters uh none of their story arcs the main character really was like i didn't i didn't care about that's the biggest crime you could do in a movie like i did not care about any of these characters or their development or lack thereof uh the love story was paper thin at best yeah you know they they didn't really explore why he was being hunted down by these demons in his nightmares and it showed him going to these classes and trying to learn about ego and id in all this stuff, but it never tied it together as no. the movie went along. Yeah, so I just had all kinds of issues with. In the graphics, seemed like I think you said it seemed very video game ish. Yeah, I have that in my notes. Yeah, yeah. In the end, in the end, just had me scratching my head. I'm like, okay, I get it. And then the end comes up. I'm like, oh, are you really doing pulling one of these scenarios on me? Because to me, it's the weakest form of screenwriting is you make it all seem like, uh, should I say it? Because it might spoil it. But like, No, go for it. <laughs> like you yeah. don't know what reality you're in. Like, don't tell me this yeah. thing was a dream. And then you have the, the last scene go on. You're like, okay, so is it real? Is it is he in a dream? Like, we're, yeah. like what is going on here? It was, yeah. it was just all over the place. It was an incoherent mess of a movie that I did not care about one iota. And, and any person I'm sure who is a proponent of this film, which I didn't find many, but there are some, uh, were like, you know, well, the character is an incoherent mess. So, of course, the movie that is through his eyes is also going to be an incoherent mess. Then why do I care? I, I didn't, I thought uh, his, the first 25 minutes until you really start to see him, you know, literally fighting demons, demons more, or uh, actually getting the payoff of him bringing stuff back from his dreams. Until that happens, he's insufferable, and like I couldn't take it. And and his life was not worth documenting. They need to get to that way faster. They need to set this up way more. I thought the even just the screenwriter aspect. I didn't know what to expect from him. Is he? good at this is he not good at this is he only being hampered because he can't sleep or because he also sucks like what i didn't feel i knew him enough before all this happened and if i'm not gonna know him enough then i gotta get to the other stuff faster to entertain me and they didn't do either no and they never allude to whether he was a good screenwriter or not because if there's a scene where we think he is but then we find out he's still in another dream so like right yeah and that's the thing, too. So if you're supposed to buy into him, you need to know which him is him. You need to know what am I, what, how can I tell the difference between what's going on 
in his dreams versus this. And the only commonalities were like, okay, well, if there's no demon, I assume this is reality. And then they kind of play with that multiple times. And you're like, well, then why? Why do I care? And it's not even like some movies where you're like, okay, we know that this character's really into, say, martial art films or really into rom-coms or really into something to where if the dreams seem like it's something that is like his interest but seems too far-fetched, at least maybe there's like tones or, or themes that you could be like, okay, this is at least either A, a fun delusional side, or it means something because it's coming from him. We don't know him. So, like, it doesn't matter. I was so disinterested and so disappointed. And, uh, you know, the the scores, like I said, out uh, as opposed to, say, uh, Oxygen, 2.6 on Letterboxd, uh, you know, 5.8 on IMDb, a 36% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Not many people are voting, but whoever is, is not happy. So, you know, definitely not what I expected uh, I don't know what the Russo brothers saw that why they were in there, but they did pull out. So maybe uh, they did uh, have some issues at some point. But man, I like I, to I make a it. side note on the Russo brothers. Like I know everyone's on their junk for the Avengers and the whole Marvel universe, sure. but they produced Cherry on, on yes, they did. Uh, yeah, an Apple Plus. And I reviewed that probably a month ago. That yeah, was a terrible terrible mess of a movie yeah and then you know I, some people are saying it's a sleeper but 21 bridges didn't do well either and that was their big thing i think their first project after uh you know leaving the the mcu or what have you and then you know obviously extraction they're going to get some some love but even then it was it was good but it's not like some kind of like woo the russo brothers showed their pedigree it's like well i was more impressed by the stunts which is the director and the guy who you've used for stunts more than the actual plot so i don't know man i don't know what their deal is like so it is it is starting to get watered down now to where i'm like am i excited to see the russo brothers are that they're attached to something as much as I was, say, a year ago, two years ago. Well, here's the telltale for me, and I and you're gonna have to correct me, but the project they have coming out on Netflix with Chris Evans, the, Brian Gosling, the Gray Man, that yeah. is gonna be the end all be all for me with the Russo brothers from here on out. It has to. It has to. And and to their credit, they aren't directing a lot of these. If anything, uh, it, extraction was written by one of the Russo brothers because um, it was based off of one of his, uh, I think a graphic novel he made or something. So they're, they're showing themselves, but they're not fully invested like whole cloth. Maybe the gray man seems like more, that is the story here. Um, and at least maybe they're bringing in the, their other MCU partners to, to partner up with the gray man. Um, and maybe if they get a bigger budget out of extraction too, uh, you know, that can open up some things too, but we'll see. But yeah, I, I, I think I'm starting to get a little <laughs> deflated when it comes to that. And I think, yeah, it really hinges on the gray man and, and it's got an impressive cast and it's coming up uh 2022, I believe. So good luck. Good luck. That. And again, just to, to be clear, they did back out of this one that ended up being a stinker, but you're right. 
maybe I should at least give myself a little pause when it's they're involved, or at least maybe not be as excited in a project that they're attached to. And yeah, super me made me super bummed, Shane. But um, I appreciate you coming through, though, man. That was a lot of stuff that we did, a lot of good stuff for the folks out there, uh, a, a packed episode full of all the the geekiest stuff we can find, and, and I, we're giddy with most of it, man. So, you know, a lot to look forward to. I wish the, the two things we just did in the present tense was a little more exciting. Like I said, man, uh, I, I need the big win. I need the big win. Mitchell's versus the Machines was very good. But I also was like, that was a gift from Sony. So, you know, where are you at, Netflix? I need I need that big big win. Uh, you know, we, we got some of these titles that we talked about, uh, you know, coming up, Ice Road, Sweet Girl, and, and Fear Street Trilogy, and some of these other ones coming up soon. So, you know, help me out, man. G- give me Give me the big one. Give me the big you know, push into the, to the end of the year. Cause I think this time last year I keep, you know, which is hard to do. It's like the pandemic screwed up everybody's timeline and production and stuff and everything. But I think we already had extraction as a big hit. We, I already had time to hunt as a, as a person who just loves those movies and you ended up loving that film as well. And then I think we had defy bloods come out for like a prestige film and you know, there were some things that we were grasping onto. I don't have that yet. And I don't know, man. What What do you think? If you gun to your head, what do you think will be the next hit of all the stuff coming up for Netflix? And I mean, like, not Army of the Dead hit. I mean, like, lasting, you know, more than like a couple weeks. I, I If I gun to my head, oh, I'm going to give you three. Gun to my head, I'm going to take, <laughs> I'm going to say Fair Street Trilogy. Yeah, I think that's gonna have legs. Uh, even though, it's, like you said, they they acquired this, but I think Gunpowder Milkshake is gonna be absolutely huge on Netflix. But I think Sandman, whenever they release Sandman, that's I think that's what they're I think that's what they're pushing your chips in for. Right, is the Sandman series. So it's it to me, it's those three properties. I think uh, should elevate Netflix. But like, okay, this is what I want. Because like you said, yeah. like last year. I thought up until this point was a better year than what I've seen so far from them. Right. I think they've produced and they've come out better shows so far up until this point than they have movies up until this point. Yeah, I think that's because they have a lot more in the pipeline for those. And that's why you're seeing the acquisitions and such, because they just didn't have as much completed. They had a bunch completed that they put out in 2020 because they wanted to be the big studio that was propping everybody up during the pandemic and kudos to them. They did, you know, everybody should be very thankful for the output of Netflix during the, the 2020 film year. Uh, and, and obviously TV as well. They had hits galore all over the place and obviously led with the most Oscar nominations and, and garnered a bunch of Emmys and, and golden globes and everything else. But right now, you know, when when you got HBO Max doing day and date stuff on some big titles, Disney's got MCU, uh, what, three MCU movies before the year is out? And then, you know, obviously a bunch of animated titles and everything else. You need you need some stuff. I need I need the goods coming sooner rather than later. And I don't you know, I don't want them to rush anything if they think they got gold and it's going to come out at the end of the year, but a lot of the stuff that we've put in our preview episodes either have come out and weren't as good 
or have not come out and a lot of them don't have hard release dates. So, uh, big breath, man. Big, big, deep breath and then uh, hope for the best. But I, I think you got the right idea. I, I'd say if the Fear Street trilogy, if that has to work for them, three movies and that age level, which is Netflix's bread and butter, if that fails, it's going to be a tough year. I agree. I so. agree. But uh, always great to have you on, sir. What, what do you got coming up next for uh, Media Mosh? What are you targeting? What uh, Or what are you looking forward to, Netflix or none? Oh, man. Um, I'm all over the place. Like I said, in my time out, I watched a lot of content. So um, I don't have to review Jupiter's Legacy anymore. So that's off the table. I don't really have anything up uh, upcoming Netflix-wise because um, I wrapped up Castlevania. So I'll review the Castlevania season. Right. Um, other than that, I... You know, I watched uh, All Those Who Wish Me Dead on HBO Max uh, with Angelina mm-hmm. Jolie. Mm-hmm. And right now I'm currently in the Mayor of Easttown with Kate Winslet on HBO yeah. Max. Yeah, oh, very good thing. Right. Yeah. So I'm sorry to report that as far as the Netflix goes, some of the stuff I was going to talk about, we talked about here tonight. So I don't need to really touch on that anymore. Uh, sure. <laughs> but I guess Extreme. I'll review Extreme, which is a Netflix original movie. It's a foreign film. It's a total action balls of the walls movie. Yeah, it's the Mexican one, right? Um, With the uh it's like a hitman thing or like some kind of mobbish. Yeah, thing, it's a right? mobbish assassin revenge flick. That's all it is. Yeah. And it's start to, okay. It's start to finish. It's uh I really, really enjoyed it. So all right. That's gonna be my review. So Extreme on Netflix, I'll review that uh coming up in the next episode. Awesome, man. I look forward to that because that was on my radar. But, man, like all the stuff that I've been intrigued by is like a lot of foreign titles. And I'm like, how many foreign titles can I get somebody to come on and (laughs) review with me? Or or whether how much time do I have? Because, you know, Netflix, you know, for how much that I keep saying, like, you know, I haven't found the big hit. They're still productive. They're still putting out the the movies at 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 a large clip. Um, so we, we've covered it best we can, but man, there are a bunch of stuff, especially like the, the Korean titles that I kind of have in my back pocket that I haven't dipped into yet that I really want to watch. There's a few out there, um, that also have either like mob or, or, or gangster gangster ties or or mercenary stuff or whatever so there's some stuff out there but uh, i have to get to it so i don't know uh, the three people who care possibly with shane being one of them <laughs> that's right in front of my face sorry to disappoint but uh hopefully we'll get there uh by the end of the year and you know play a little catch up and all that but yeah great job by you sir and we'll have you on real soon, man. I appreciate it as always. It's always a great time. Again, being called up to the major leagues. I always love uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for suiting up, buddy. No problem. Put the ba- putting the donut back on the bat, man. I appreciate it. Fix <laughs> Get all my sports metaphors wrong. <laughs> See you later, man. All right, brother.